Blog Talk Radio. Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Second period. Where players dash with skates the flash, the home team trails behind. But they grab the puck and go bursting up, and they're down across the line. They storm the crease like bumblebees. They travel like a burning flame. We see them slide the puck inside. It's a 1-1 hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. It's the good old hockey game. Third period, last game in the playoffs, too. Oh, take me where the hockey players face off down the rink. And the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink. Now the final flick of a hockey stick and a one gigantic scream. The puck is in, the home team wins the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the good old hockey game. Oh, sorry, music's over. Um. Well, uh, this, of course, uh, our version of celebrating uh, Canada's, well, you know, hockey, lacrosse, winter, summer. But they've got to include the CFL in their football for the spring, spring, summer. Um, Yeah, so here it is. Finally, we've arrived at the point Uh, that everybody anticipates each and every year. The 82 games that are played prior to this are just a teaser uh, in regards to what happens in the first week of April. And, of course, the first week of April brings us uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we have ourselves uh, some interesting matchups. We can talk about those. Uh, We can talk about the Leafs and where they're at at this point. We can talk about anything. And the guy that's going to help us decide what we're going to talk about is David Morasuti, uh, he of uh, Sportsnet fame. Uh, you know what, buddy? Uh, is it really even worth discussing what happened last week? Or should our focus, we might as well just shed aside what happened in those 82 and start talking about the possibility a maximum of 28, a minimum I think last week meant nothing, as you probably are alluding to. Uh, And yeah, I think this is what Leafs fans and everyone has been waiting for, April. And, you know, I, I was just thinking, reflecting the other day of the years where the Leafs were not in the playoffs, 
and people were just waiting for the season to end. And now people are wanting the season to end for another reason, because finally the Leafs are at a point where fans are waiting for the playoffs to start. So I think based on that scene, I think that's where we should, uh, we should head off. And, of course, uh, the, the, the biggest issue when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, is the fact that it, it is the, it's not the elephant in the room. It's the elephant on the front deck. And that is, of course, uh, the problem that is the Boston Bruins, the Rubik's Cube, if you will, of playoff hockey as far as the Toronto Maple Leafs are concerned. Uh, they have not had much luck. Uh, with the uh, with the Boston Bruins, and this is just another opportunity uh, for the boys, Austin and company, of course Mitch, and of course Babs, and a group of them uh, to write a new script, a script that won't make Leafman shudder or shudder once again. I completely agree. I mean, I was, I still have nightmares of that 2013 third period collapse. I'm sure many Leafs fans still do. Um, we thought it was going to be different last year. It didn't. And I think that was the wake up call. But it was different for a time. But it was different for a time. They made it to game seven it after was. being down 3 1. Yes, definitely. Well, and I think. Sorry, uh, Back, I think back in 2013, the Leafs were down three. Well, no, because I think the Leafs won the second game in Boston. I know oh, they you lost. Know You're right. I'm talking about 2013. Sorry, might have yeah, been, last year it might down have been, three might one. Have been three, last year was three one, but it might have been three two that year, and then uh, they had I to win. I still think Bo- the Leafs won game six. I, think the Leafs won game six or did Boston win game six and seven you know it might have been Boston won game six and game the Boston so I think the way it happened was that um, the Leafs won game two in Boston then the Bruins won game three in Toronto Uh, I think they won both games in Toronto and so the Leafs had to win a game in Boston which they did then they had exactly. to win in Toronto, and then they lost in Game Seven. So it was three-one then, same as last year. Same as same as last year. It was a little like the order of how it happened was a little different, but yeah, pretty much similar circumstances. Yeah. But um, they were they were behind three-one, and they mounted a comeback, and they fell short. And then they were ahead four-one. They were ahead four-one. Four, or was it 3-1? lost 5-4. It was 4-1. Four, 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 yeah. 4-1, almost 5-1. Um, I remember Matt Fradden, who now plays in the KHL, missed a chance to put the Leafs up 5-1. And I thought at that point, I'm just like, uh, you missed it, but you know it's still a three-goal lead. And out of nowhere, the Bruins just went on a tear. I mean, we remember that. It all Pretty started. Good idea, I think. It all started with Lucic causing um, Fanuf to cower in the back of the net. Fanuf didn't rise you know, to the occasion. Lucic just manhandled that, him. 
back when to take air out of the Yeah, and this was back when Lucic was actually a really, really good player. And now he's it's kind of a shadow of his old uh, self. Really, 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 you know, Wilson-like player. Yeah, very much so. And then, you know, his his game just did not – he just couldn't uh, – it's just a matter for Lucic. It's just a matter of the game was just getting quicker, and he was he was not able to keep up. His style just yeah, died off it, on him. Well, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, hockey is hockey, but hockey, like people, has different personalities each and every year. Different personalities, and by personalities, I mean ways of winning alter, change, according to what, you know, works that year. You know, I would love to be able to say that, you know what, when the season starts, if we put together a skating team, we're going to win the Cup. Or we're, if we put up a, a playoff-ready, tough team, we're going to win the Cup. Or we're going to have a great goaltender, we're going to win the Cup. There is no... There is no guarantee which direction you go. The only guarantee, it seems, that once a team wins the cup, the next year everybody goes, oh, so that's how you do it. That's the only guarantee you get. But in advance, everybody, you know, every style is, has the opportunity. Yes, there are, there are styles that are friendly to the media and the fan bases and, you know, even the players. In, in the case of the Maple Leafs, they're playing uh, more of a, you know, Edmonton Oilers style of hockey where, but then the Oilers had their physical side. Um, the Leafs don't quite have that physical side where then you have the other teams like Washington, Nashville, San Jose, the Bruins to a much lesser extent. And I know people, we reminded people a few weeks ago, David, that uh, in Boston, they don't think the team's tough enough to make it all the way through. And they don't think the goaltending's good enough. Has anything changed since we talked about this last in as far as the goaltending is concerned with the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs? Can we start there and and discuss where we think the goaltending is with the Bruins and the Leafs at this point? Um, Well, the thing about, like, the Leafs and the Bruins is the last time these two played each other, um, I think it was Rask and Hutchinson in that. It wasn't even Freddie Anderson – and Absolutely. the Bruins, and and the Leafs got Halak, uh, I believe, both times in Boston. So, mm-hmm. you know, these none of these teams have actually played their top goalie all four games this season. So, uh, part of that is, I think, will play a factor in all this. The fact that we haven't seen, you know, what Tukarask is like over a series. I mean, we've seen it in the past but we haven't seen it this time around. And for the Leafs, like Freddie Anderson hasn't really played. He's played the Bruins once, and that was the one the Leafs won this season. I believe he also lost one in Boston. So he's one one against the team. And it, last year, we go back, Frederick Anderson in those first two games in Boston didn't really give the Leafs a chance I mean, at the same time, the Leafs didn't give themselves a chance to at least come away with a thought that, you know, they could make – I mean, it took them until they got to Toronto to finally make it a series. But um, those first two games in Boston last year were 
I think, pivotal to the success of the Bruins. The problem with uh, Anderson, I think, is simply inconsistency last year in the playoffs. His inability to be consistent um, and his inability to be the textbook kind of goaltender uh, of this new era, which is the quiet goaltender that doesn't move much. Um, he's the, that's the prototypical type of goaltender. Whereas you have other, you know, Bobrovsky and company that, um, you know, that are flash, you know, and, and I think if, if Anderson doesn't maintain his style, uh, he will be in trouble. Uh, he needs to be a quiet goaltender. He needs to frustrate teams by just basically being where he's supposed to be, giving them what they think is a good opportunity, and then coming up with his positional save and or from time to time, something that was a weakness in the playoffs last year is glove hand. That is where I think Anderson needs to be and how he needs to play to be successful, and that's for Toronto. And yeah, that consistency I, we talked about. Exactly. And, you know, the one thing about the Leafs this time around, um, I, I think their defense is better than last year. I mean, I don't think it's at the top level that people would like to see it be, but I think it is better than last year. The thing that the Leafs defense needs to do is give Freddie a chance. So a big problem I've noticed uh, recently, and I think you and I both noticed it too, is you know if Frederick Anderson is doesn't have a, a sight his sight lines of the puck, you're going to make it really tough on him. I know he's a big goalie, so he's usually capable of seeing around screens and all that. But you and I have seen goals that get by him where you could tell he's clearly frustrated because his own guy got in the way. And I think that's going to be a key part is if Anderson can see the puck, if he can, as you mentioned, be in position, that's going to help him at least, you know, establish his positioning early on, something that I don't think he was able to do last year. Bottom line, he has to make the big saves. Other bottom line, he has to make the saves that should be made. There cannot be goals allowed that shouldn't go in. Those against the Bruins will kill. Why will they kill? Because until the Leafs can gain some sort of confidence that they can handle this team and that they've got an advantage in net, because to me... A team that of the offensive type that the Leafs are needs to have a goaltender that makes the big save and then turn things around and take advantage of their, you know, have a team commit, not score, and then develop those quick breaks where, you know, a pass and a shot that doesn't give a goaltender a chance is what they need to do. And that's what they need from Anderson to make the big save that raises his confidence and at the same time raises the confidence of his teammates. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, he – every goalie wants to – So you know, Anderson's made it a point of saying that he likes the bigger workload, which is, you know, I think he likes having the volume of shots so that, you know, he can get a feel for how the game is going to go. Um, I think it's just, as you mentioned, you know, he he has he'll have to come up with those you know occasional big save because we know Boston isn't gonna make those chances any easier on him as well. Um, I mean I look back to when they played him, you know the last time, a lot of those chances came from in tight, uh, very close rebound. They weren't exactly. You know, shots from the, a lot of shots from the point. There were a couple, but not a lot of those types of plays that you typically goalies would rather get those type of plays because they can get into position. Um, you get in front of getting close, get the angle on Anderson. It's gonna he'll you'll have a little bit of a tougher time. You know. On the on the note of the Bruins. Here's something I'm going to throw out there, and, and, and let's see how this is a thinking outside the box comment on my part. See how this flies with you. Look for Halak to start in goal for the Bruins. Um, I would say not at the start, but if Tukarask is shaky and he lets in a couple of bad goals, and the Bruins need a change. I don't think Bruce Cassidy would um, would think twice. I think he would do it. I just don't see Halak starting the series. I think, given you know, let's not forget, uh, Halak uh, was in 2010 was probably the best goaltender in the playoffs for Montreal, mm-hmm. and he pulled off two Absolutely. incredible upsets. He has that pedigree. Absolutely. He definitely does. I'm just, I, you know, and I know how the Bruins fans feel about Tuka Rask. I'm actually going to be speaking to a reporter for Boston tomorrow to get some insight. But the the feeling I get, and I think the thing you're kind of pointing out, is that the Bruins are not totally confident with Rask. But I still think he's going to get the opportunity as the number one going into the series. But as you're probably, and as you alluded to, the first sign of trouble, I think you will will see him get pulled. I I think that they're going to start him, and here's why I think they're going to start him. Rask has not been very good against the Leafs. You know, uh, Halak Halak has, even even when Halak uh, wasn't the guy, the Bruins, their backup goalie has given the Leafs more fits than Rask over the over the past few years. Uh, I I don't think that's uh, an overstatement on my part. I I believe that to be true. But the thing is, how how will it reflect uh, in the coaching staff? But you're right. At the very least, at the very least, there's going to be a short leash on Tuka Rask. The last thing they want to do, the last thing the Bruins want to do is chase the series. And that's what the Leafs need to do. They need to come out in that first period 
They're going to have to weather the storm that the Bruins are going to throw at them and be able to counterpunch because it is going to be an inundation of aggression and pressure by the Bruins in the Leafs zone trying to exploit what everyone or most people think is the Leafs' major weakness, and that is their defense. What I think, and maybe just alluding to uh, just the Bruins style and how I expect them to come out, they're going to, yeah, they're going to come out and they're going to try what usually was their success against the Leafs in the past was keep the Leafs in their own end as much as you can. What the Leafs need need to do to counteract that, you got to move that puck quickly. You cannot make a bad pass uh, because we know that these Leafs forwards sometimes like to get a little jumpy, and that will put a little more pressure on the defense to move that puck a little more quicker than maybe they're accustomed to. But they'll have to do that. They'll have to be able to move that puck and relieve that pressure in the defensive zone. Yeah, the defensemen also have to be willing to take a hit to make a pass. That is one of the things that they're going to have to do. And the reason I say take a hit to make a pass, because they can't wait long enough for them to avoid a hit, which will, in fact, allow, or should I say, end up with the lead forwards being too far up the, you know, too far up towards the other blue line or center ice to make a pass that can connect. I mean, I understand, you know, those bombs they want to toss, but bottom line is those bombs don't work if you can't make your short passes work. And the Leafs have to start there. I think that's the reason why Muzzin is such a key player for the Leafs. As a defenseman, he's left-handed. Oh, well. He's physical. Hooray. And he's willing to take a hit to make a play. And and we've seen a couple of Leafs defensemen who are willing to do that. Some young, some more experienced. And that's what's going to have to happen. They're going to have to weather the physical storm tossed at them by the Boston Bruins. And once they get to Halak, and I really think Halak eventually is going to be the goalie they have to beat to win the series. Uh, they... To, to get in to get to the point, maybe I'll, I'll I'll have this compromise with you, David. To get into the series and have an equal shot at winning the series, the Leafs have to get. They have to get to the number one goalie the Bruins have and force them to use Halak. That's what the Leafs have to do, and then they have to even beat Halak. They're going to have to. Take both goalies out. They're going to have to make both goalies not as effective as Bruins want them to be for the Leafs to win. Ultimately, which means also that, you know, Freddie Anderson needs to be the kind of goaltender we all know he can be. I, I think that's the right point. Is we know that we've seen Freddie Anderson as, you know, a really top quality, top notch goalie. We just need him to come up in this part. He needs to, yeah, he needs to outduel the Bruins goalie, whoever it is. I agree 100% with that. One more point about the defense: um, the defense also needs to be willing to take some of those shots from the point. And the reason why I and say that is through. because the Bruins put it through. Yep, and Muzzin is a perfect guy for that. 
I think Travis Dermott, you know, I remember in Game 7, he scored his first playoff goal because he was willing to take a shot rather than look for the pass. Because what the Bruins are going to try to do, they're not going to put pressure at the point. They're going to collapse low and force the defenseman to shoot. And that's where the Leafs defensemen will have to make the Bruins at least respect that point shot and have less guys pressuring down low. And then, you know, if the Leafs can uh, position themselves for rebounds or wherever, you know, in those cases, I think that will help them too. And you know that Muzzin, uh, uh, along with Gardner, and Dermott's learning to do it. They all need to make sure that they get those shots through. Um, Callie Rosen, if in a pinch comes in, he seems to have that ability to get the puck through. Uh, it's something, it, there's a bit of a, you know, it, it may look lucky, but it really is understanding the shot and making it. To, the tough part about getting a puck through, I think the toughest part is when you're trying to finesse it, you know, you're trying to make the perfect shot. Really what you have to do, and, and, and the Leaf defensemen, a couple of them know how to do it, Gardner's one, Muzzin's another, is they take the shot while the, while the opportunity to go through is at its peak. In other words, they don't wait till the other. they got to get ahead of the, the, the defenders when they're in the Bruins zone before they set up and before they head out towards him or, you know, and, and, and unfortunately that's, that's all about timing and talent. And then it's, you know, making the selection of where you're going to shoot it because it's not just simply shooting it through the other team to the center of the net. It's about what are you given and take that shot. And, and that's where the talent lies on getting the puck through to the net or to a teammate for a deflection and or, uh, you know, uh, an opportunity to corral the puck and then put it in the net when the goalie's out of position. That's the hard part. And the Leafs don't have, that's not their main, like that's not their big deal. This is what they're going to be dealing with with the Bruins, David. The Bruins do that in, a, in an incredible manner. They yeah, get the I puck mean, through. It's not about unleashing a howitzer, right? It's about... Nope. You know, Morgan Riley has a very underrated shot, and we've seen him get those pucks through. And, you know, even you know, even if you're willing to come down a bit from the point, you know, you don't have to take at the point. You know, come up a bit. Be a little more aggressive and come up closer to get a better, you know, better distance on that shot. Um, you know, Zaitsev, we've seen it a little bit more lately of him trying to throw pucks at the net. You know, even if you throw it at the net and it gets through, the Leafs forwards are very, very, it's a very good skill some of them have that they can score in tight. Uh, a guy like Kapanen, I've seen that from. Janssen, we know Matthews can pretty much score from anywhere uh, in close to the net. Marner, Tavares, and Heinen, those guys can do it. It's just, they have to find ways to get shots through because the Bruins are not going to make it easy. They're not going to give them an open way to shoot all the time. So you got to take those chances Absolutely when they not. come to you. And the other problem um, is 
getting Chara tired while we're on the subject of defense. What is the key on defense for the lease? Is that Riley have and continue the great year that he's had thus far? Jake Gardner being able to consider that he's got a fresh start and act as though he's got a fresh start. And, you know, players like Dermott, who are now one year older, and I think a far better defenseman than he was last year, and possibly, you know, making it easier for the Leafs to come out of the zone, but not just come out of the zone, but like you said, you know, at the point to be able to do that stuff. But really defensively, those those guys are going to be key. You know, as much as, you know, as much as we've talked about Muzzin, as much as we've talked about Riley, we do have to keep in mind that it's how deep you are. It's how effective, you know, we can go on and we can, t- we can talk about the forwards too, you know, in a bit. But as far as defense is concerned, there's, there's six guys rotating, and those six guys are going to keep rotating. And you're only as strong as your weakest link. So you have to somehow create a situation where the other team, meaning Boston, you have to help them to spring a leak. And what we've learned over the past playoff series against the Bruins is that you can tire Chara. You can tire him. And and if they can do that, Austin Matthews last year was neutralized, you know, by, by Chara on defense. And I, I guess I'm asking you a question. Can Matthews, you know, be mobile enough and move enough to outlast Chara in the corners, behind the net, moving in and out. How important is that going to be for Matthews if Chara's the defender that's going to be on the ice whenever he's on the ice? Well, that was going to actually be my point. Is Chara going to be the defenseman? Because if you put Chara out against Matthews, who's going to be the one to go after Tavares Marner and Hyman. Marner. Yeah, like that's that's well, it has, the line, it has been McAvoy. It has been McAvoy. Yeah, it has been McAvoy. So, I think what Matthews what will help Matthews is um, he's got a guy like Kapanen because that's the line that he's not going to be playing with Nylander um, at least on the road. I think Mas, uh, Babcock wants to spread that out a bit and. That could help too because having a guy like Kaplan who you know who's a little more you know agile, he's quicker, you know he'll he'll dig in a little bit more than Nylander. I think that will help. I think giving Matthew support. Don't expect Matthew to do it himself because unfortunately, there's not many players that can go up against the Daniel Charles one on one. It's about getting you know that other winger to support the center. I think that will be key because Chara, when you when you uh, flood him with a couple of four checkers, especially in tight, he's human. It'll be tough for him. He's human. He's human, exactly. He's we, human. You know, we know he has he's the human. size. He's good. He has the size. He has the reach. But don't make it easy on him. Send as much pressure on him. He's you know, he's not exactly the quickest guy. 
Make him work. Make him move quick. If you if Chara stays stationary, he'll have the advantage. Make sure he does not get stationary in his zone. Yes. Uh, you know, he, you have to keep him moving. You have to make him be physical with you. 42 years old, a physical specimen. One of the most, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, one of the most feared players in the National Hockey League who does have a mean streak. We've seen the mean streak. And we do see, in fact, that mean streak has a license that a lot of other teams don't have or players don't have. And that intimidation factor is going to be something that the Leafs have to overcome. Now, it's not just about overcoming on the subject of of Chara and and, and generally speaking about the Bruins. Uh, The the Leafs have to. They have to be able to not let that kind of play, you know, the cheap shots, the, the runs, that kind of stuff. It can't get to them because if it gets to them, the Leafs can't afford another suspension, even though they have three great defensemen, uh, sorry, three great centers. They can't afford another suspension this year, like they did against Washington. You know, the, the Leafs have to be cool. They have to be cool and tough. The emotional part of the game is something that the Bruins have ruled over the Leafs over the years. It has been the emotion as when the game gets very emotional and things start getting really hectic, the Leafs have been the one to fall apart a little. And and that's what they have to overcome. I'm sure that's one of the key things that Babcock and company are driving into the guys. Rise above it. And, and if they can't rise above some of the stuff that's going to happen, they're just going to end up with the same result. I don't know if you think emotionally are the Leafs in a position to be able to handle the emotional challenge of playing the Bruins, not just at that moment, but because of the history. I I totally agree with you. We saw what Marshawn tried to do last year with Leo Komarov, because Marshawn knows Komarov's role last year was to get under the opponent's skin. So what do you do? You change, you you reverse the tables. You tell you tell Komarov, I'm going to be in your face. I'm going to be licking your face, which I still don't understand how nothing came about that. Um, but that's that's their game. They're going to be right in the Leafs' face. They're going to force them. to You really react. don't know. You really don't know. It's it, it's been repeated over and over again. Bruins are the favored team by the league. They get away with a lot of stuff no other team will get away with. It's just the way it is. They are, they are, you know, they are the team that is run by the guy that runs the National Hockey League. I don't think it's a coincidence. You know, we've seen suspensions of other players, and for some reason, you know, and, and you know, you were, we were talking about Lucic earlier. You know, he got away with a lot. I don't think he can get away with the stuff he used to. You know, he was getting suspended. As soon as he went to L.A., L.A. got rid of him because he was a, you know, he was a problem for them. You know, he was, he well, was getting penalized too much. Yeah, 
No, and, I, and I Boston, agree. They got a bit of a break. They got a bit of a break. That you know, if you listen to the media and 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 listen to them very carefully, they won't say it out loud. The people covering the Leafs, they won't say it out loud, but they have said it. They've hinted at it that it's questionable how the officials deal with the Bruins and how it relates to the rest of the league. They get treated differently. There's no doubt about it. And we'll see another example this year of them doing it. That's what I was alluding to with saying the emotional side of the game. You know, when Kadri got that suspension, he got the suspension because he was upset with what happened. You know, you remember when Marner got run? Yep, by Charles. He got hit in the head. And... Kadri. Right. Now, unfortunately, Kadri went a little too far. He saw blood. He saw red. And that can't happen. I think. Absolutely. What, no, it can't. That's what's got to not happen. I think Kadri being out of those three games was a wake up call for him in that he realized he let the team down in that case and he won't do it again. He's old enough and he's matured enough to the point where I think he understands that. Um, now, sometimes the, you know, the emotion of the game gets to you. I, I understand that part. But this is going to be on the veteran group to tell the guys we cannot let their antics dictate how we respond. Absolutely not. Absolutely. 100%, my friend. 100%. They, they have to, you know, as much as it sounds like whining about the officiating and about the way the Bruins are treated, the reality is, the reality is that that's the case. We've seen multiple examples of it over the years, and we've seen a reaction by the Leafs when that happens, that's, and other teams, in fact, that creates an advantage for the Bruins. So all you can do... Regardless of why they get the breaks, it's not relevant. It's not why they get the breaks is not relevant. We can sit here and argue about it for weeks on end. What is relevant is that if and when you believe that you, for example, you mentioned about Kadri getting suspended after what, you know, after what Chara did and got away with, the message is clear. They're going to get away with stuff. They're going to get away with stuff. So you're just going to have to, Figure out a way to not ignore it, but use it as fuel. And that's what the Leafs have to do. They've got to deny losing. They have to promote winning. They have to ensure that they always consider the bottom line. In other words, winning should be their focus. Not revenge, not whining not trying to look pretty, not complaining, not working on each other, keep talking to each other, keep being a team unit, and they'll have a chance to win this series. But they really do have to rise above the Bruins, you know, little bit of, uh, you know, the reputation of Chara allows him to get away with a lot of stuff. For whatever reason, Marchand has done many things over the years that other teams would have been suspended. So why is it? that Marshawn and, and Chara get away with stuff that they have gotten away with, it's irrelevant at this point because it's not going to change. So you've got to deal with it in a way that's productive, not counterproductive. 
I agree a hundred percent. The focus should be on the scoreboard. Look, in the playoffs, the mental aspect does does have you know it does have an impact. No, there's no doubt about it. The mental aspect of the game plays a role. The Leafs just need to make sure that their mental preparation is. We see the scoreboard. It should be us taking advantage of it, us owning it. We don't need. They don't need to own the physical game to win, because really that's not the Leafs' style, and they know that. The style is that we need to play our game, which is we are one of the top offensive teams in the league. Um, the Bruins are not going to take a lot of penalties, um, so. We need to beat them at five on five, which is something the Leafs I know they are capable of doing. Now, in the I remember, I think it was games one and two, the Leafs' penalty kill was abysmal. So you cannot take stupid penalties because the Bruins will take advantage. I know it because I've seen it, and it can't happen this time. Well, you know, as a team, as a team that is the best in the league five on five, um, as important as penalty killing and power play is, if their five on five game can be, you know, better than the Bruins, then it's just a question of their penalty killing and power play being reasonable. It won't have to be great. But it's what they do five-on-five five that will put pressure on their power play and on their penalty kill. If they don't have any success five-on-five, five, it's going to be difficult because this is, not a, this is not a power play that is overly confident at all. They, they have not been that good. They have not had that good a power play. And, you know, with the talent that they have, we may see, and I, and I think we are going to see that, Babcock's going to have no other choice than putting all his eggs in one basket or all his eggs in a basket and a half, if you know what I mean, as opposed to having 10 guys on two power plays. They might have to go with eight guys on the power play, seven. They're going to have to, they're going to have to go, you know, if I'm the Leafs, throw out the tape where the power play was bad and just show when it was good. Be, be like this, the players. Look, this is what allowed you to be successful when you had the man advantage. If you do that, you have a chance. They cannot, and I repeat, they cannot stay, be stationary on the power play. They need to move the puck. They need to force the Bruins out of position. Be willing to not have... And, and know what's one thing about the power play that I'm not a fan of is you give it to Marner, Marner gives it to Tavares. Oh, it goes back to Marner. It, it can't be robotic. The, the Bruins are going to close those gaps. They're going to be right up against those guys. Once in a while, Marner, and we've seen him do it, he's going to have to prove that I will shoot this puck if you give me the chance. He has to do that, and I think he's been more willing to do it now than in the past. But he's going to have to show it because then the Bruins are going to just play his pass too much. You need to make them 
second guess where they're going to be going on their coverage. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the the offense of both these teams, the Bruins have proven over the season that they don't need to use all their guys or have all their guys in the lineup to be successful. The Leafs, on the other hand, have proven that they need all their all their players to be successful, except for one. The only time they've had success, make it two. Austin Matthews and Nylander. The team has played well without those two. The team hasn't had the opportunity, thank goodness, if you're a minor fan, or Tavares, or Riley this year for any amount of time. So we really don't know how well they play without them. I guess the point I'm getting at is the Bruins have an advantage, at least proven-wise, that they have the depth to cover up any injuries or any benching that they might need to make because of ineffective play by individuals. For example, uh, the best example in my mind is the star last year, Jake DeBrusque, this year has not been a favorite son of the coach. And they've had other guys pick up the slack. The Leafs are going to need that kind of thing as well. The guys who have not been playing well or scoring much are, are will have to, guys like you mentioned, Kadri. Kadri, Brown, uh, these are the guys that could make the difference, that could tip this series in Toronto's favor. The Bruins have established they have those kind of guys that can do that kind of stuff lower in the ranks. Do you think the Leafs really can and how important it is, the depth, and how important it is that they get scoring from their third and fourth line, which we know the fourth line almost we know has been better offensively over the season than the third line, in fact. I, I would I would offer that, which is why the third line is so important to the Leafs in this playoff series. I, I definitely think if your fourth line is outperforming your third line, it's not a great thing because that means your third line is not doing what it needs to do. I agree with that. One thing I'll, I'll say about the depth, the one thing the Bruins, I know they cannot, the one per player they cannot lose is Patrice Bergeron. They are a team that relies a lot on this guy. He is the heart and soul of their team. He, like, There's no doubting he is the heart and soul of that team. So if you're the Leafs, you know, he's the guy that you have to eliminate. From, you can't eliminate Patrice Bergeron for a series, but you need to make sure he's not able to Minimize do Minimize the damage that he can do. Minimize yes. the damage he can do. Mitigate, mitigate, mitigate. Him and Marchand, because them two are the ones that kind of drive the bus, and Pasenak too, but more so Bergeron and Marchand. Now, when it comes to the other line, I personally think, you know, Kadri has, you know, a he, his role has been diminished. So he's not the guy that's going to put up 32 goals. He's, he's not being played in the position to score 32 goals. You know, he's been used more in the defensive zone. 
He's playing with guys. You know, he's not playing with Marner this year because he was in the past. You know, we forget that effect, that impact. We've seen how Marner and Tavares have worked together. That that's played a factor in Kadri's production, I believe. Um, I think the benefit of having Nylander with Kadri is we've seen them have success, um, albeit limited time together. They have played well together, um, and they're not going to draw the top Bruins guys. They're going to get the Bruins, most likely their second or third pair. They're not going to get their their Bergeron. They are going to get, uh, you know, the the third third line center. That's the matchup they're going to draw. So if you're the Leafs, you're hoping Kadri will exploit that. You know, he's going to get an offensive guy with like Kadri, uh, like Nylander playing with him. Marlow, I'm convinced Marlow is saving himself for the playoffs because we've seen it. <laughs> because. I mean, look, last year he had two multi, multi-goal multi games, one in game seven, you know. I, I think, you know, as much as I think he's lost. Yeah, you're you're, you're season, right. You're right. And, and, and you know what? It, for the same reason that Nylander can have some success, if Kadri is, you know, being that guy, the disturber on the line, and he distracts the, the Bruins, that's where Nylander and even Marlowe can slide in and, and get some opportunities. You know, if, 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 if Kadri can get some Bruins chasing him and them not connecting with him, because that's my concern with him this year, is that I'm not saying that he's slow, but I believe that he's slower than he's been in the past. And I don't know whether it's a lack of confidence, whether whatever the reason is, or whether he's being more deliberate or subconsciously is the concussion a concern for him without even him realizing it. We need more of, you know, the Leafs need more of a damn the torpedoes approach by, by Kadri for them to be successful so that he can distract the opposition and open up opportunities for the rest. Uh, you know what, like, I think the concussion when he came back played a role because, you know, don't just come back from a concussion and just play your tail off. You know, you're not creating, you're not, you're not yourself. And, you know, and, and look, a concussion is not fun. I've never had one. I know a lot of people who've had concussions. It changes your mentality of how you, especially if you're an athlete. So I think that played a role in how he is. But Kadri even admits, you know, he was he's been waiting for the playoffs. There's something about the playoffs that changes your mentality, especially for him. You know, he I think he recognizes this is a good opportunity for him. Not being in a prime role, he can he can have an impact. And Babcock's gonna put him in a position where he can have a little more of an impact because he's not playing I, from what I've been hearing, uh, just talking with people, you know, he's going to get more time in the offensive zone than he did in the season. Um, he's not going to be forced to play all the tough minutes. I think that will hopefully have a different impact on him going into the series. 
Word is out of uh, Leafland and the practice facility is that the Leafs for the past, some suggest six weeks even, have been preparing to play the Bruins all this time. Some even suggest that's why they've had a tough time playing against other opposition because their focus has been the Bruins. Do you think, if true, that that maybe might be putting a little too much pressure on themselves, having built up this this amazing, you know, need and focus to play according to their opposition? And while it may afford them the opportunity to beat the Bruins, it won't stand them in good stead in the playoffs or, you know, be too prepared for the Bruins if that's a possibility. I don't know if the Leafs are preparing as much. I mean, look, they know, they've known for, what, um, a couple of months who they're playing in the playoffs? Like, as soon as Tampa Bay took control of the Atlantic – the Leafs knew it was going to be Boston. You know, Absolutely. it was more of a matter of when it was going to happen. Not it. So I think, yeah, I think that uh, did play a role. I definitely do. And, you know, the Leafs have not played their full lineup since, I mean, I can't remember the last time their whole lineup was, in, like, together. I think it you know, goes back my, to, like, January or February. Yeah, because if you think about it, you acquire, when they acquired Jake Muzzin, that was the time. Because, you know, when you think about it, Gardner missed a lot of time, Dervin missed time. In the last few games, uh, you know, Hazy sat the last game out. Muzzin missed the past couple games because I, I do believe, you know, he was sick, but I also hear that, you know, he was dealing with some uh, back stuff um, beforehand. But it wasn't bad enough that he couldn't play. It's just why play him when you don't need to. So I think that also had a role in how the Leafs were kind of preparing for these last few games. Um, yeah, I mean you're not you're not going to go all out in games that really just don't mean anything, right? That's why they tried to get right. sparks in as many games as possible because a Frederick Anderson shouldn't be taxed going into the playoffs. There's no reason. And when you when I look at um, the teams that are playing, you know, a couple of teams weren't in the playoffs. One, I mean, Montreal. You know, Babcock even said if the if the team had to make you know had to play Montreal in that final game for a reason, like if they needed to win, let's say home ice, or needed to get into the playoffs then it would have been a different story. But that's not the situation we were in, so they adjusted based on what they had to work with. Absolutely. Absolutely. They will will have to, as best they can, as best they can, figure out, you know, figure out what it'll take for them to be emotionally focused, on this series, because really, in, in my opinion, as, as important as defense is, as important as offense is, as important as all that stuff is, I really do think and do believe completely that it's going to be how much 
these players and these th- this team understands what it takes to win. You know, they haven't learned what it takes to win in the playoffs yet. They have to learn while they're in it. You know, they're not going to be able to, you know, have the benefit of, of, say, of relying on experience on what it takes to win. And that's the toughest challenge they have to overcome. Yeah, you know, I look at a guy like Jake Muzzin who, you know, people are saying, oh, why isn't he playing more? Why isn't he playing more? A, let's save the guy for the playoffs, first and foremost. You know, he's the guy that's going to be, I, I think, behind Riley, I think he's the second most important defenseman. I think people would maybe argue Hainsey because he's playing with Riley. But I think Muzzin is going to be the league's second most important defenseman. And, you know, he's, and the reason, he's won before. Not once, twice. He's been a part of a winning culture in L.A. He knows what it takes. And I think that will have an impact um, for sure. Yeah, we do the least have players who have never really been in a position where they're, you know, where they win a lot. They've had a couple guys at the Marlies that have won the, the Calder Cup. They have Tavares, who's won internationally. They've had Morgan Rowley win a world championship. But it's the guys that have the playoff pedigree that are going to make the impact. Dave? I lost my mic. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I lost my mic. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it, to to put it to put it simply, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion uh, about the lease and uh, how they're going to succeed. And who they have to outplay on the Bruins. Who are the guys? You've talked about Bergeron. But I think there are other players they need to consider, um, you know, like last year's hero for the Bruins. And when we come back, we'll talk about it. Welcome to the Candid Frank Live Show, Leaf Talk Edition. With Candid Frank and David Morrison. There you go. Uh, okay, we're back. I think the mic thing worked. I think I, the technical problems I was having, maybe they're not happening anymore. We'll give it a shot. We only have a few minutes left anyway, so we just have to survive a few. In conclusion, uh, in the last half hour, uh, for those of you that just joined us, he's David Morrissey. I'm Candid Frank, and we're talking about the Leafs and uh, their playoff series against the, the Bruins. And we've talked about the defense. We haven't talked about the key player we talked about Bergeron. A lot, a lot of the conversation, and I think a lot of the thinking, 
around the Maple Leafs. For the Leafs to win the series against the Bruins, I'm, I, I'm beginning to think, and from what I'm hearing, it's hard to disagree with a lot of people who are talking about Austin Matthews has to be the difference. Not that he didn't play well last year because, you know, his, his numbers were great. You know, the stats, you know, were fine, but the production wasn't. He's going to have to produce. How significant? You know, we know what Marner did last year. Marner's going to have to repeat what he did last year. He was lights out the best lead, and he was probably one of the best players in that series. How important is Austin getting it going to the Maple Leafs in this series? One thing I will say, and and you alluded to it, you know, Matthews had, you know, he had, I think he had, what, two goals in that series last yeah, year? Yeah, one goal, one assist. One goal, one, one, one assist. assist. I remember that goal. It was a really nice two goal, points. too. The Leafs still Jeez, pushed the Bruins to seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Leafs still pushed the Bruins to seven, and their arguably last their best center last year did not have more than two points in the series. If Matthews even comes, <laughs> even if he doubles that, it is going to make such a difference. I think that's something, you know, where we have to keep in mind. You know, he. Even if he has a marginal improvement on last year, and look, he's he's had a good season. The injury was unfortunate because not something you, know, you can really prepare. You know, um, I think he's last year shown, he had an injury. Shoulder injury was in March, David. So to make your point, yeah. just to add to what you're saying, you know, his and, injury you know, was he, in March, and and recovery time he I, had much more this time. Exactly, you know, and. He had the concussion last year too. I think it was last year, or two. He had a concussion too. You know that that's a, that's another factor too. You know, I also think you know I've liked his game. You know, especially when the Leafs weren't playing well, he was the one that was trying to get the team going. You know, he was he 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 had to, he pushed himself to that extra gear, and I think that's going to be an important factor. You know. If Tavares somehow, you know, Tavares doesn't have his best game on, you know, Matthews, I think, is capable of stepping up. If both of them are not the playing well. With, go ahead. No, the go biggest ahead. thing with Matthews, you're right. If they're both not playing well, there's going to be a problem at least. The biggest thing I think that, that uh, Matthews is suffering from is the confidence to shoot naturally. He's pressing, you know, when he shoots. He's a natural goal scorer. When he plays unnaturally, he doesn't score. He's a guy that you give him that extra second, he will put it in the net. We've seen it. He scored goals that I don't think I will ever see another player on the team score because of how his shot, he's able to just make the slight little curl drag and just rip it. And the goalie's not going to stop it. I think that there was a goal against Ottawa. Uh, Craig Anderson, that's right in his wheelhouse. You know, he's willing to go to the center of the ice to score, and he's going to have to do that against Boston. He can't limit himself to the sides. He has to attack that middle, and I think that was a problem last year. He was not willing to go to the middle. 
I think having Kapanen and Janssen will help them do that because they're guys that will skate and create havoc, make the Bruins chase them, and hopefully they'll mm-hmm. open up Matthews a little bit more because goal scorers need to get open. Some goal scorers know how to get open. I think Matthews, he's done a better job of that, but that's something he's, he's going to have to do to be successful. Absolutely. And, and of course, Nylander's going to have to get his nose dirty. If, you know, especially if, if he doesn't get his together. nose dirty. Well, you know, uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you know that Tavares, well, I, like I said this last, like I said this last week, Tavares had a conversation with Nylander on the bench. And you better know that a conversation on the bench isn't where it ends. That's where it starts. That's oh, my opinion. 100%. What um, was said later in the in the privacy of the dressing room or in an office, um, you know, he, he's get. I think he's going to get. He's getting called out. You know, show us you want to win. Show us we matter. You know, that, this is the thing that the Bruins do better than the Leafs, and that is, they have the reputation of being a team. They have a reputation of no one's bigger than anyone on the team, even though we know that's not true. I mean, you know, when you say Bruins, you say Bergeron, you know, when you say the big guy and Marshawn, you know, there's no doubt about that. But the fact is they are no bigger than the rest of the players on the team. They have this team concept that the Leafs need to adapt and to, and uh, that's, that's how they'll get out of this series. They're going to have to be a team. They'll only be as strong as their weakest link. And I've identified Nylander as a weak link only because, in my opinion, that's what he is. He's a weak link. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is, you know, Kadri is, is not that he isn't not that he isn't trying, but he has been nowhere as effective as I think you and I can agree that he can be. But overall Austin Matthews needs to play much better than he did last year. And Mitch Marner has to be as good as he was last year. These are the two guys that are going to help this team get to where they need to get. They're the two guys up front that need to get them. What other two players up front? I know you were talking about Marlowe and his double, uh, you know, his his games with two goals. Uh, He had multiple uh, of them. I get that. But, how important are those two guys? Are they not are they not the two guys that have to really play well? And of course, in the case of Marner, when he plays well, other other players benefit, and and that other player, one in particular, is Tavares. Oh, hundred uh, percent. I think the Bruins know that Marner is going to be the guy they're going to have to neutralize. We talk about who the Leafs are going to have to neutralize. Boston knows Marner is the engine that drives a lot of what the Leafs do. So can can Marner, you know, accept that? I mean, I, we've seen Marner accept the challenge. Is he ready for that? I think he is. So he's going to be the guy for that line. And then when it comes to Nylander, no doubt he needs to be. He has not been good enough. Like, you know, he's, had, he's, he's improved from when he, first, you know, when he first came back. But, he, you know... It's going to be – look, the margin for error is very slim. So if you have moments of 
when you're not, you know, at your best, it's going to cost. It's gonna. It's gonna be a very tough for the Leafs to get out of it. Uh, and look, we're not asking for Nylander to rise above Marner's play, but get as close to how Marner plays, like in terms of production and be a force. You know, Nylander needs to at least get to that, close to that. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing that that I like about the Leafs this year that I wasn't a big fan of last year, even though they really had some really good fourth liners. I I, I think, you know, a couple of players that can make a difference with the Leafs in this playoff series is the, is the fourth line. I like Anderson more. I really think that they can wreak havoc on the Bruins from that fourth line position, especially because Gauthier has become more and more of a, an efficient center iceman. He is, you know, he is more an asset than he is a problem out there. You know, his lack of speed when he came to the league, he's worked on it. His physical play, you know, I never thought I'd say this, even though you would think that a guy that big, it shouldn't be hard to say, but he has been the most physical Maple Leaf on the team over the past couple of months. And and I think that's going to come in handy, especially playing with Ennis and Moore. What I think is, Gautier has shown. You know, I've seen, I've watched this guy since junior. I've watched him with the Marlies. He is a guy that I think can have a good series when the pressure is on. He's a guy that's been through before. Um, but yeah, no, the fourth line last year. Do you remember what the fourth line was last year? I don't. It, Martin, the fourth line was Martin. Oh yeah, Matt Martin, um, Dominic Moore, and I'm, I'm struggling with the, uh, the third name. No, Connor Brown. He scored, he scored a goal. No, uh, no, not Connor Brown. Um, he's gone now. Um, well, I know. you said Dominic Moore, right? You yeah. said Dominic Moore, did you not? Oh, he was okay. a center iceman, yeah. Moore? Shoot. Moore, uh, Moore. Oh, Kapanen. It was Kapanen. Kapanen. There you go. Right? Wasn't it Kapanen? I, Remember the goal uh, that that uh, that Martin pushed backwards? Well, that, that was yeah. Washington. That was against Washington. Yeah. I, I think... Because the fourth line, I think, has had a little more cohesion than in the past. Like, in the past, the fourth line was just parts that were thrown together. Now they're actually a unit. And I think that's going to have an impact. Because I don't think the Brewers' fourth line is going to be able to match what the Leafs have on the fourth line. I don't. And I think that is going to at least play a factor in that the Leafs can roll out the matchup a little bit more and not be too worried about it. Well, Ennis and Moore, Ennis and Moore can wreak havoc in a way um, that maybe people don't appreciate because it's not physical. They are not your typical fourth line. They do it like they do it Marner's style. You know, it's like watching Ennis and Moore, uh, especially Ennis, 
he reminds me so much of a, I'm going to say a poor man's Mitch Marner, but he does have that kind of elusiveness and that playmaking skill that, you know, Marner has. And, and Moore has that speed, you know, that, that opens up the opposition. And, and I think those guys, that, those guys may have a chance here. To, and this is the beauty of the playoffs, right? Guys who aren't an 82-game success story have an excellent opportunity. See those third and fourth line guys, you know, that those 16 wins, reputations are created that are lasting in the playoffs. When I, when I think about it with the fourth line, um, yeah, I mean, look, right now the fourth line, based on what the line rushes have been, it could be Ennis and Ennis and Moore kind of switching in and out. But we know both of them bring, bring something to that fourth line, as you mentioned. I really like Ennis. Because when, you know, you need that offense from your fourth line, I'm not worried about what he can do on that fourth line. He can do it. Um, I mean, and I look back at that game. And he's responsible and, and he does come back. Yeah. You know, he does play, you know, the 200-foot game for a small guy. And he even tries to be Good. physical. I mean, let's not forget that Ennis was going to be the one to play with Matthews when Neander wasn't here. Like right, and they were very you know, successful. I mean, you know, eventually that did change because they had to make some moves. But I've like hey, might it change back? Do you think he could change back in the playoffs? Do you think they could throw that out there as kind of a surprise? Because Kapanen has lost. Uh, uh, he doesn't seem as fast as he was earlier in the year. My my thing about uh, Kapanen. You know, I like you saw the look on the face when you scored against Montreal. If that relieved. wasn't the most, I'm freaking relieved. Like if that wasn't, uh, like I don't think I've ever seen a player have that type of expression before. So I think that that was something that you know gets missed. You know, he hasn't played well since you know I think it really end of February. The concussion. Yeah. Concussion. Like, this is another guy that had a concussion, that had to have a really tough road back. I think he will get the chance to prove that he can be, a, you know, an effective player with Matthews. Um, whether Tyler – I think it has to be an extreme circumstance if we see Tyler Ennis playing with Austin Matthews. Because that means there's injuries or something. I, I still only way I could see it. But if Ennis is playing well, you know, somebody's going to get bumped off. Babcock has shown that if a guy is being productive, he will give them the opportunity. Absolutely. Now, how about coaching? Babcock is developing a reputation over the past few years of not being able to win a playoff series. Is that on Babcock or just the circumstances that he finds himself with a Detroit team that started, you know, not being as good as they've been and then coming to a rebuilding team like the Leafs? Or is he maybe just the guy who's, not, who's lost a bit of the what magic it takes to win in the playoffs? 
Oh, I I have a lot. To, I mean, not not a lot to say, but I can make this. I'll make this sort of shorter. I think Babcock has proven that he can coach in the playoffs. He's done it for years. I look at that Detroit team that. I mean that when that when he left, that Detroit team went from being a playoff contender to pretty much a lottery team. You know, I think there was that was a transition that Detroit had to go through because that team is now a shell of what it used to. That team is not the same anymore. So I, I think, you know, there's a lot of circumstances with that. Um, people are, for some reason, thinking Babcock, if he doesn't perform or the Leafs don't have the series people think, you know, they need to have. He well, should be solid. Like, I, don't uh, I think that's, that. that's too extreme. I think I think he's got at least another year. At patience. least a year or two. Because, look, this is the first year. Like, you know how many changes the Leafs made to their team this year? Um, the Leafs had, you know, had so many things that, you know, he had to deal with, things that coaches really shouldn't have to deal with in terms of not having, a, you know, one of your top six guys in camp, you know, Jake Muslin was a deadline acquisition. Your backup goaltender. You know, considering all that, Babcock has done a pretty decent job. Could, you know, could, is, and, and he would probably say any anyone could be better. There's always room for improvement. Right. Absolutely. But, Without a doubt. But for, some, but for people to suggest that he's at the end of his rope, I think that's a little, little much. You know, I think he he got outcoached last year in the playoffs. I do agree with that. But I think he's – I think the Leafs will be better prepared this time around because now I think the personnel is a little bit better than what it was last year. Like last year, that roster is not nowhere close to what it is this year. Having Tavares there – you know, let's not forget, I believe Babcock will ride a guy like Tavares Matthews more than he did last year because they can do it. You can't expect Thomas Buchanan, Dominic Moore, guys who, guess what, are not in the league anymore because they're not good enough to be everyday NHL players. Considering the least push through the seven with that type of lineup, I'm surprised. I think we're going to see a different, it's going to be different this time around. And they need different. And, and you know, you're right. You know, you're, you are totally right, 100% right, that, that you know, the, the roster they had last year was one more or less a wing and a prayer as opposed to, you know, uh, a team intending to, to go deep in the playoffs. Now, I'm not suggesting that this team will go deep in the playoffs, but this team has a little bit more opportunity and talent on the team to go a little further. And and let's keep this in mind. And here's the thing. Getting by the Bruins probably means you're going to meet Tampa. So, you know, not being a physical team, that kind of grinding style, may be the best thing for the Leafs possible, thinking of long-term. Because to have to play, you know, the Bruins and, and Tampa and be physical and be a physical team, that is very difficult to maintain series in, series out. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I look at, you know, people were, were surprised when Vegas went all the way to the cup final, Washington went all the way to the cup final when people thought it was going to be Tampa. Vegas, I think, had an easier go at it because they were going up to teams that, you know, just couldn't match what they had. Um, I think Washington, the fact that they had to go through the Metro and not the Atlantic, I mean, that played a factor too, although they did have to go through Pittsburgh, which is, I don't think many teams can go That's through a team like Pittsburgh. Tough. Yeah. I I think, you know, I mean, we can, we've talked about the playoff format. I think it does a disservice to especially the Eastern Conference. Um, but this I think, time. This time. This time. Yeah. This time. I mean, this, I, right? I think, yeah, definitely this time. Not always. They, those are two really tough teams. That any, you know, I, I always say I think about it in that if you want to change the coach, I think to myself, can another coach do any better based on the circumstances and what the team has? Can this can a coach make the least play a different the style that people? Now I'm not saying we people, the people who are asking for the coach to get fired. Can the, another coach do what they need that that Leafs team to do? That's the real question. And I don't think there's Absolutely. many coaches like that. Absolutely. You're, you're totally right. You're totally right. And, 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 you know, it's so easy to hang the, the you know, the, the Ofer collar on someone, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not always about them being responsible for being in that position. They're just in the best position to take the blame, like Gardner last year. You know, I think anybody who watches that last goal that they scored to win the game, Gardner did everything he could do as a defender other than taking the puck away. And, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately Anderson didn't cover, you know, the, the right side of the net from our angle, his left side. So, you know, automatically Gardner gets things, you know, and, and that's fine, and that's fine. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that every player has to play, this league team has to play like their lives are at stake here, no matter no matter whose fault something is. And they've got to be committed to each other. Uh, you talk about the coach. If the coach can't motivate the players to the point where they understand they need to be committed to each other, it's not always on the coach. There's leadership in that dressing room, you know. I mean, are coaches more X's and O's or more, you know, emotion control? I think they're more X's and O's. You know, motivation has to come from within. That's why it's said that way. From within. Not from without. From within. And that's that's what the Leafs need if they want to help Babcock look good. Babcock's going to look as good as his goaltender helps him look and, and how, how good his offense performs because they rely on it so much. That's when Babcock will look good. If those two things, that's the personality of this team. The personality of this team, the makeup of this team is strictly offense with these decent goaltenders. It's that simple. And that's what it's going to take for the Leafs to win. Decent goaltending and effectiveness on offense. 
And that's I, not I the coach's agree with you more. emotional job. It's not the coach's emotional job. His job is to make sure that they're prepared, you know, schematically. That's where he's going to be judged. Like you said, to, to finish my point with him and, and to use your comment to add on to it, he cannot be outcoached this time. He cannot appear to be outcoached this time. He cannot look like he made wrong decisions and the other coach made right decisions. That's what's on Babcock. That's it. I no, I I couldn't agree with you more. Like you know, his job and and you know we've seen this Leafs team find ways to will each other together. We have. I mean, I've heard that we've heard the story about Marlowe. They could do it. Speaking of. They can do it. I I want the Leafs to be prepared for whatever the Bruins throw at them. That's Babcock's job. Absolutely. They would weren't able to do it last year. He will. He is the guy that is all about preparation. He will prepare them as best as I think as any coach can. It's going to be up to the team to execute. It sure is. On that note, final comment. I want to know what Leafs you think the series, how the series is going to Leafs. end up. I, I think. I think the Leafs can win this in six. That's uh, that's that's if they win, they, they could do it in six. They could do it in six. And uh, you know, the best thing, the be, you know, what we've talked about. We only got a minute or two left. We talked about the emotional state of the Maple Leafs. If they can erode the confidence of their goaltenders, who both have had, you know, their confidence eroded, no differently than Anderson. And if they can make the Bruins desperate and 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 take care of their ability to think that they can come back and handle the comeback, this league team can win. There's no doubt about it. In my mind, they can win. I agree. No, I definitely agree. What will uh, what will uh, winning look like for the Leafs? Well, I think you might want to stay out of downtown Toronto. Defense, defense or offense? What's going to be the offense and goaltending? So we're absolutely, absolutely. It is, it is uh, you know, this is a team all about offense. They have to score. That's who they are. You know, as, as much as people and, you know, as much as people who are old-fashioned hockey fans, hockey fans, hockey fans, sometimes offense might be successful. It's happened in the past. Yes, yes, physical play. Yes, yes, defense. But, David, offense is how this team's going to win. Or lose. It comes down to that. That's what it comes down to. Absolutely, that's in their MLL season. I tried to change your mind. It didn't work. <laughs> it takes a now, lot to do that. Having said that, with, with 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 you know, but it doesn't mean that defense isn't going to be imperative. Defense is going to be critical. Because if the, the defense can be mobile and get the puck out of the zone and start those offensive forays other than the bombs up the middle or in the air, 
this team has a chance. It's all about how they exit the zone, and if they do. That's what it comes down to. You have to get I guess we'll have to yeah. leave it there, David. Listen, good luck with good luck at work. Good luck with talking to the reporter from the Bruins. He's David Morissuti. I'm Candid Frank. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This has been Leaf Talk. As always, Candid Frank and live.